0: This Business is Doing Good Call is a a work, it's an initiative of Good Cities, and uh, I'm Glenn Barth, I'm the president of Good Cities, and uh, we got interested last uh, summer uh, as as I was attending the uh, conference that was held at Weatherhead School of Management on Flourishing Enterprise on how businesses are making a positive contribution to their local community, or in the communities that they serve, by achieving a social purpose. And so we've been highlighting businesses throughout this year on this monthly phone call that takes place on the third Thursday of every month called Businesses Doing Good. And uh, we're highlighting all those businesses that we're coming across who are ch- seeking to achieve uh, a social purpose, a good social impact in the local community. Or in the communities that they serve around the country and around the world. Uh, we've had a, a number of exciting guests through our time here. Uh, today, our focus is the power of collective impact. And uh, I, I'd like to uh, welcome to our call today a man who's an expert in strategy management, collective impact, and the balanced scorecard methodology. He's the president and, co- and founder of Insight Formation and has consulted with dozens of healthcare organizations, public health departments, and cross-sector coalitions to help them develop and implement collective impact strategies to improve the health and well-being of communities. Our interest in his work is genuine here at Good Cities because we also advocate the use of collective impact for cross-sector collaborations in numerous cities through our coaching and consulting practice. And uh, it's our hope, that, uh, and, and it's actually been our experience, that these cross-sector collaborations, when using collective impact strategies, they, they move the needle on big social issues. What makes our guest important for this conversation today is that his company has also developed a powerful software package called Insight Vision that tracks the impact of the work of collective impact strategies. Recently, the County of San Diego received an achievement award from the National Association of Counties for their deployment of Insight Vision to support their collective impact efforts. And two months ago, our guest received the 2018 Health System Transformation Award from Communities Joined in Action, a nationwide association of health improvement coalitions. So please welcome to our call today, Bill Barber, the president, and founder of Insight Formation. Welcome, Bill.
1: Thank you, Glenn.
0: It's great to have you on the call today. I wonder, in a few words, can you tell us how Insight Formation came into being?
1: Sure. I actually started the company back in 1991. And for the first decade, we were pioneering in the space that became known as business intelligence and knowledge management and digital dashboards. Helping corporations uh, make more, gather greater insights from the data that they had and use that to manage their organizations. And in about the early 2000s, we made a first kind of significant shift in our company. And we say we shifted from analyzing the past to helping corporations create the future. And that we ad- embraced the techniques like the balanced scorecard. And that's when we began to develop one of the first strategy management software platforms. The second shift came about eight or nine years ago when we decided instead of just focusing on businesses, we wanted to focus on using these strategy management tools and the software platform to help communities develop and implement strategies to address some of their most pressing problems of whether it's homelessness and affordable housing or health improvement or <laughs> substance abuse, and bringing that um, to bringing the expertise we'd developed to communities. In 2011, when the article came out in the Stanford Social Innovation Review about collective impact, we jumped on that and said, This is what we do. And we were excited to see that there was a shift towards trying to solve problems through more collaboration and cross-sector work rather than just looking for individual programs. So over the last uh, seven, eight years, we've worked on many different uh, projects with community health improvement plans, neighborhood revitalization, statewide efforts to reduce incarceration or help improve foster care systems or reducing substance abuse. Uh, And so that's the world that we're in today.
0: Well, Bill, that's, It's exciting to hear about the development of the company. I think uh, with the the thought in mind that the focus of today's call is really on collective impact, I think you and I both, uh, you know, we, we bumped into each other in 2011, about the time that that article in the Stanford Innovation Review came out on collective impact. And we began to say, you know, that's what we're doing at Good Cities. And I think you came to several of our events at that point. Uh, But you've gone much further with it. Tell us a little bit about uh, the the approach of collective impact.
1: Sure. So collective impact, the, the main shift is that instead of individual organizations or programs being the answer, there's the belief that it takes the collaboration of many different organizations across different sectors. And the authors of the original article identified five conditions, such as a common agenda, shared measurement, mutually reinforcing activities, continuous communication, and what they referred to as a backbone organization or backbone support to help build this team approach. But community after community would really struggle with yeah, but those sound good, but how do you do that? How do you create a common agenda? And so as the the coalitions that we've begun to work with would typically come together, they'd struggle with how to do that. And one of the examples that has really, I think, been a nice success story is in North Colorado in Weld County. And they had a health improvement coalition that uh, had over 60 organizations. They were passionate about it. But the, the, the executive director said that when they'd get together, it was like being in a crowded restaurant. Everyone was talking about what they were doing, and they were building relationships to some extent, but it was like a, roar, a, a dull roar of trying to figure out what was going on. So they were trying to do collective impact, but they really didn't have techniques and tools to enable that and that's where where we stepped in or we were we were engaged to help them improve their community teamwork and one of the first things we did was help them develop a strategy map and that's a very powerful technique that comes from the balanced scorecard methodology to map out a long-term journey that's going to have a lot of moving parts as as we go so in the situation there we had over 30 organizations that were actively involved, people from three competing hospitals, the United Way, the local government, major nonprofits, the funders, and we picked several different topics, and one of them was healthy eating, and how do they improve healthy eating across their community of about 250,000 people? So we, uh, through the kind of a dialogue and through some processes we bring, we developed a we helped them develop a strategy map. And I think as an example of how the collective impact really worked, we'll just share about one of the objectives on that strategy map was to expand their, their farmers markets because they, as they looked at their data, they found that their largest farmers market had had declining sales for four consecutive years. And so that's obviously not the direction they wanted to go. And, with collective impact, we, the mindset is mutually reinforcing activities. How can the community work together as a team to move, accomplish the objectives that they're trying to achieve and move the measures in the right direction? So we, instead of looking at the performance of the farmer's market, we looked at what is the potential for others in the community to support that effort. And so One group that was doing cooking classes said, well, we can do on-site cooking classes on on cooking with the types of produce that they get at the farmer's market. Other groups did entertainment or children's programs. One of the uh, foundations uh, financed a, a practice that works very well called Double Up Food Bucks, where people using their food stamp or their SNAP cards get an extra $10 for every $10 they spend on local produce. And other groups did outreach, just sharing about the farmer's market. And for the last three years, the farmer's market sales have gone up, up, up to where they're now at a record high. So that's an example of kind of the big picture, how we helped bring some techniques and tools that enabled them to do collective impact. They used our software platform, so they have a website called thrivingweld.com, which shows how all of these organizations are on the same page working together and pulling in other community partners to get things done. And the CEO, so
0: that's,
1: yeah, yeah. Wow. just the, the CEO who said that, yeah. oh, go ahead.
0: Well, I want you to pick up on that in just one second here. I think that's extremely exciting. And, and I know you, you mentioned strategy mapping right at the very start of, you know, of this story. One of the things I, I I love about what you share is uh, you you can't really manage uh, a complex process by big documents. Uh, Do you want to just mention a little bit about that? Because I know a lot of strategic planning is done uh, by helping people think creatively and put big documents up on the wall as they're planning. And uh, just wondered if you might want to dive into that momentarily. And uh, how do you do things differently with strategy mapping? And uh, and then just uh, if you would maybe you have one more story of another community that you're that you'd like to sure. tell us about.
1: Yeah, the strategy map becomes a a simple visual picture of what you're trying to change and what the drivers are, and it doesn't include all of the detail about what projects and who's doing what. But by taking that out, you have a much less you have an uncluttered and easy to understand um, picture of where you're trying to go as a community. And then each year you can be updating what steps do we need to take? What partners do we need to bring in? And you have a consistent set of measures based on that strategy map that you're trying to move. And so instead of having a big document that kind of sits on the shelf, you have the the map and a constant process of what can we do to improve on, in these key areas and then the software platform helps you manage that. And after using this approach and having the strategy map for now for uh, four years, the CEO said their meetings are more like being in a theater with surround sound because all of these different stakeholders understand the big picture framework. So that was um, that's been a really encouraging example of collective impact that's been featured nationally quite a bit now. I think that's exciting.
0: You know. To move from the uh the meetings that were uh, just somewhat unorganized and everyone telling everyone else what they were doing to uh, a clear strategy map now add to this add to this one more layer bill as you tell maybe one more story here or you can go deeper in this story if you'd like. talk a little bit about. You know, Insight Formation is the name of the company. Insight Vision is the name of the software. And uh, I remember the first time you told me about it and then you began to show it to me. It's like uh, having a strategy map uh, and having something like the Zoom ability of Google Maps where you can see every level of the strategy as it's being played out from the strategy to the goals to the objectives right down to the tactics. And, uh, and you can, in real time, see what impact is being made or what impact is not being made by the approach you're taking.
1: Sure. So the second example is our work with the Prevention Management Organization across the entire state of Wyoming. And they focus mm-hmm. on reducing misuse of alcohol, tobacco, opioids and other drugs, and suicide prevention. And mm. it, as is often the case, they have a limited budget, and they were trying to impact all 23 counties. So we helped them, again, develop a strategy map template for each one of those issues, and along with recommended measures, and then each county got to pick the things that they wanted to do. They didn't have to reinvent the wheel, but they weren't being forced to do anything. They just had a template to work from. Mm. And then as they began to look at their their objectives, such as reducing um, uh, the uh, availability of opioids for being misused, doing drug take-back programs or or things like safe storage campaigns, they could have, um, each county could be tracking what they were doing, who was doing which things, and with the Insight Vision software now, you can go in and see not only the measures of the, the overdose rates and things like that, but you can see the progress of each county working on the actions that they've picked. And they can learn from each other and um, see where things may be stalled out and kind of nudge them to move forward. So that uh, approach allowed a much more rapid um, deployment of a lot of, of plans to address, in this case, the opioid and heroin and suicide prevention across the state and the ability to manage it. And the state has now uh, taken that over and they're looking at using it across other areas where they want to have more efficient um, management, communication, measurement on these topics.
0: Yeah, Bill, one of of the um, difficulties in um, collaborative work sometimes is uh, understanding which partners are really executing the plan and which ones are kind of like looking at it as something extra to do and they're not really doing it. Uh, how does what you're doing help bring greater accountability to this kind of a, an approach?
1: Yeah, I was just talking with a group out in Philadelphia and it was just a, a nonprofit organization that says, we can't take on too big of a project. We have to stay focused. And I said, well, with this approach, you can have many different organizations that take on something that's doable. They're not trying to take on some big, vague project. The strategy map and that ability to zoom in to who's doing what allows projects or actions to be much more narrowly defined and doable. And therefore, instead of committing to some vague thing, we're going to try to increase people uh, being more active or some vague thing that nobody really knows what to do, you've got much more specific action items. And with the software, you can see, who has which action items, they've been defined in a way that they're, they're doable and there's a timeline on them and that creates a peer pressure uh, to be a good team player. So it's the combination of not giving people vague, overwhelming things that, that they're afraid of and instead giving them things they can be successful at and then okay. having the transparency to get those things done. Very exciting, Bill. Um, a lot of talk in strategic planning
0: these days has to do with adaptive strategic planning. How does this the uh, strategy map and uh, you said has to do with long the long term vision of where you're going to go with things and the software? How does it help the the kind of work that you're doing adapt to uh, say whether or not specific goals or objectives or or tactics are really working, and if they're not working, is there a chance for the the group that's working on this to take a look at that, evaluate it, and change direction?
1: Yeah, it, it does. I think the biggest advantage is that because the strategy map doesn't have all of the specific actions and details, it creates a more enduring framework that the community knows is going to take several years. And each time they create a strategic plan, they're not starting from scratch. They're going back and saying, do we still want to reduce diabetes? Check. (laughs) And we we, we said one of the key drivers of that is improving healthy eating, and another might be active living. We don't have to re-discuss that, and we're measuring that, and we can know the progress we're making. A driver of that is it access to healthy food and a driver of that might be farmers markets. Another might be healthy food in schools, but as you have those, those bigger pieces that the communities agreed on, you don't have to, re- you can change them if you want, but most of the changes tends to be on what can we do this year? Whereas many strategic plans are, so, have all the detailed actions and each, each year or three years, um, you're kind of starting from scratch, so this um, really streamlines the process and allows people to start building teamwork, which takes time uh, but at least you you can build that teamwork around a structure that has a a good consensus, and you can still adapt it as you need to yeah i've looked at uh with you i've
0: I've had the chance to review uh the software and and uh, how each aspect of it is is being measured against uh Socially accepted measurements uh, in various you know and in various um, initiatives that you that you've been involved with through insight formation and with insight vision software and um, i I think one of the things that really struck me was not only might you be able to see whether someone is doing the work that they promised you they do or if they are doing the work and the results not being achieved. There's a chance to review that that part of the strategy and and uh, and refocus it. So I'm very appreciative of the fact that uh, what you do I think is is highly adaptive. Bill, uh, can you talk uh, a little bit uh, about how people on the call might learn more about Insight Formation and Insight Vision and what it might have to offer in their own community?
1: Sure. Well, we have a website www. I-N-S-I-G-H-T, formation.com. And on that we have uh, resources. We have a lot of recorded webinars on many different topics, from dismantling institutional racism to uh, you know, success stories on working with affordable housing, or uh, we have a lot on there with the opioid and heroin crisis because that's been a focus a lot lately. We have uh, white papers, uh, I've just completed a white paper on improving funder teamwork because so many of the nonprofits respond to whatever the funders are are funding and and how their processes work, and funders are not usually very working as a clear team even if they have a funding collaborative. So we have mm-hmm. white papers on that and, and many other topics that we share freely, and we're we've developed resource hubs like a Wikipedia but filled with the tools and and shareable information on a growing number of these topics as well. And and the Opioid Coalition Resource Hub is accessible from our website, as that's the one that's the most, the furthest along.
0: That's great. So insightformation.com. If they wanted to get in touch with you personally, what's your
1: email address? It's bill.barberg, B-A-R-B-E-R-G, at insightformation.com.
0: Great, great. Well, we're going to move to the second segment of our call where we open up the phone lines to everyone who's on the call and, uh, and give you a chance to ask questions that might be on your mind. There might be questions that you have about doing collective impact in your own uh, community, or they might be uh, something related to the business that uh, Bill is leading, Insight Formation. And uh, so as we open the phone lines, uh, you might want to unmute your phone if you've had it muted during the first half of the call. We appreciate the fact that you've done that, and uh, and then when you ask your question, just identify yourself by giving your name and uh, and where you're from, and uh, and then ask your question, and uh, Bill will be happy to respond.
2: Go ahead. Who's first? Bill, this is uh, Scott Myers in Akron, Ohio. Uh, I met you about 5 or 6 years ago in Glenn's living room if you happen mm-hmm. to remember that. <laughs> yes. Um so just a, a couple quick questions um since the call is about uh business is doing good as the theme uh and most of the work you do sounds like it's with you know government agencies or nonprofits I I'm assuming maybe incorrectly that um your business is, uh, the Inside Formation is not a nonprofit itself, but it's a for-profit business that exists on revenues you generate and pays taxes and so on.
1: That is correct. Yep. We're a for-profit social entrepreneurial firm. So we, we don't get grants. We have to figure out how to create enough value that people are willing to pay us for it. And what, which is our consulting, our software licensing,
2: and some of our e-learning and workshops. Very cool. And just one other quick question. It sounds like you will work with just one sector in a community like, you know, addiction, prevention, recovery versus having to work with the city government in every area of a city or a county. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, it it varies from project to project. Sometimes it's, you know, someone got a grant for reducing infant mortality or for addressing uh, the opioid crisis, and we're focused in on that. But once the infrastructure is in place, the community can use that for any other topic because the, the software, the training that we provide is helpful for just about any of these issues, or it can expand into a more comprehensive community plan that addresses many different issues. Great. Th- thank you very much.
0: Who's next? Just go ahead and uh, give us your name and where you're from.
3: Um, this is Alan Ross in Atlanta. Uh, a question, it seems to me that the collective impact, trying to get a group uh, of well-meaning nonprofits, NGOs, and some governmental, getting them together is going to require, you're the change agent. Your company's the change agent. The software helps facilitate and manage that change who is the backbone? Somebody's got to lead this to bring them all together because that restaurant analogy is great, but somebody had to invite them to the restaurant. Uh, Do you usually work with um, the organization that, I mean, somebody brings the funding, somebody says, Hey, come to this. It's like trying to get churches to work together is very difficult. It sounds like some of the barriers that you've got to overcome is, um, what, what I would think is that uh, my program is my program, and by sharing, I may impact my program. How do you do that? How do you bring them together? Or is there somebody paying you to be that catalyst?
1: I would say in most of the cases where we've, we've had the, the fastest success, they already have a coalition that's coming together, and they're just struggling with how do we do this? um then that the readiness is there we've had some situations where we're involved in trying to build the coalition but that we typically if especially if it's not in our backyard they can't afford to have us come to do to do all that legwork and that there's some relationship building so our tools and techniques aren't the the solution by themselves um it real and that's why with collective impact there are more and more communities that will have conveners and they don't we might help structure the backbone function and distribute that among different roles and help guide how to do that. But we're usually not there trying to help be the, the core convener. We'll we'll help pull in additional groups um, once we've got a core group. But we we're most effective if there's already a core group that um, has come together and says we need to work together on this. How and how are we going to do it? Well, thanks for
0: mentioning problem? that. I just want to um, – I'd like to just add at that point that uh, this is something that good cities often does, is we're, we can come in and, uh, and work with a, a group of leaders who would like to move toward developing a coalition and forming a backbone organization. We're often in that space, so often we're working in a space before they might bring in an insight formation to take those next
3: steps. Uh, go ahead, Alan. What were you going to say? Well, but there was a follow-up question, and, and you just yep. answered part of it, Glenn. Is there a okay. commonality to these, um, to those people that are actually the ones bringing you in? Is it is it usually a government agency, a foundation? What's the common thing? Now we know that Good Cities is one of the one of them. What else, uh, and who else brings you guys in?
1: It's been interesting to be to see how much variety there's been on who brings us in. As I look down, we have about maybe thirty clients um, that we've we've done this sort of thing with, and it, there's there are health departments in some cases, but that's by you know a handful of them. There are United Ways that have been the lead. There's foundations, increasingly hospitals, um, but it, regardless, when we start that conversation. We try to make sure that it's not just one organization. Um, In Ohio right now, we're talking with a healthcare system that has several hospitals, but we're making sure that the health departments in the nine counties that they work are at the table. In this case, the hospital is willing to pay for it, but we want to make sure that the United Way and the health departments are all on board. And then the good news would be the hospital will volunteer to pay for our software they don't want to just buy it and then tell everyone this is what we're using. So it can be a little bit of uh, trying to get multiple stakeholders to buy in, um, and we have a real variety of who takes the lead on that and who actually signs the contract with us. I just listed several, and in, in I'm sure there's others if I were to think down the whole list. So it, it varies, but we're almost always trying to make sure we've got a core group of the most important stakeholders that have bought into the concept, regardless
3: of who's writing the check, seem having some success with thirty some odd clients. And what, let's just pick the opioid mm-hmm. crisis. If you have shown some uh, a model, everybody's looking for models to do that. Um, you would create some way to get to the conveners and say, "Hey, you know, let's we've we've walked this path before. There's a, a successful model." And um has that been hard to do because people are always suspect about people with their own models or do you think that's going to happen more and more? You covered a lot of subjects from diabetes yeah. to uh, opioid. Talk about taking your models to another level.
1: Yeah. When the opioid crisis, about three years ago, it became clear to me that this opioid crisis was just going to be devastating. And it was so new. People have been dealing with diabetes and chronic disease for quite a while. So they kind of felt they know what they needed to do. But we felt communities were just going to be overwhelmed and confused with what do we do on the opioid crisis. And just trying to understand it takes so so much work. So we set out to create a master template. So for the last three years, we've been merging together hundreds of strategies from law enforcement to upstream, you know, reducing trauma and everything in between, and have been building out this toolkit that is a template. We're not saying here is what you should do, but here's the whole, a well-structured set of all the things that can be done. And behind that, we've built this Opioid Coalition resource hub that shows many of the free trainings, tools. That people can do without waiting to get a grant, and now we are launching a, a community coalition accelerator program, where we we through a combination of communities gathering their stakeholders, you know, in a conference room or uh, university uh, facility or a hospital facility, whoever is willing to provide the space, and we do training over the Internet, and then have them break into groups and actually work towards, you know, quick win action plans. Uh, so that the opioid coalition is one of where we've, I think, been most aggressive at trying to help give people structure and things they can do quickly, because it's a little bit more of a blank sheet of, you know, how do we address this crisis? Excellent.
4: Do you have examples of working with, Private enterprises uh, in the community uh, collaborating private enterprises uh, that have a desire to do good within the community. You
1: know, absolutely. We think that they're one of the most you know underutilized resources um, that both there's in some cases it's the employees of a private company where sort of whether it's like a Habitat for Humanity, where they'll have their employees work on it. Other cases, the companies are stepping up and saying, we can be part of a team. And it might be providing jobs for people who are returning after incarceration or who are in recovery, knowing that there's other people supporting that those individuals to help make it successful. Usually, an organization can't do something by themselves. But if you Combine them with others, they can feel now I can do that piece. So there's many ways that businesses I think are very important. Uh, They have a lot at stake with the health of their employees, with housing, with the uh, opioid crisis. So we definitely try to have employers at the table and we think social entrepreneurship and helping uh, nurture small for-profit businesses that can give people a pathway to ownership and sustainable income and wealth is another very important part of this.
4: Mm-hmm. Have you worked where the private entity spearheads the effort?
1: Yes. in Actually, our project in Detroit was a for-profit property management firm managing a whole bunch of uh, housing properties, and we helped create communities of hope by really engaging the people and nonprofit organizations to help create a more, a better environment for people to thrive. And they were, they, they were a for-profit just, you know, they were socially minded, but they definitely wanted to be profitable and be more profitable, right. but do it in a way that benefited others.
4: Great. Right. Um, Thank you.
2: Bill, so this is uh, Scott Myers again. One of the things I've noticed uh, before I got real involved in, um, you know, local community collaborative efforts like what you're describing. I was, I was very involved in overseas, you know, third world development kind of work. And one thing I've noticed is um, in America, because that's all I know, there's so many of these efforts to make the community a better place. And in the last, you know, 20 years, there's been um, a concerted effort to try to build collaboration, coordinate. Uh, people's work and and what you're doing is is really kind of at the peak of that. Um, And and then I think about developing countries and all the issues that they have, and so many of these efforts that we have just don't exist in third world settings. Have you ever considered or have you had any kind of um, involvement at all in a developing country with your approach?
1: We've had discussions, but we don't have any actual projects and And we decided uh, about three years ago not to actively pursue them, just because we're spread so thin as it is, and um, felt that in the in the u s communities, these issues are all so intertwined, we're already having to become expert on so many things, just in u s cities and rural parts of the United States that we decided. Even though what we do is very relevant and could be useful in developing countries, that that we needed to resist that temptation,
2: and because we would just spread ourselves too thin. So, if I had somebody from who was doing work in a developing country, you would not appreciate me sticking them on you, or would that be okay? Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I only
1: if they were well enough funded that we weren't having to put a bunch of you know ramp up. Time on it, but it probably wouldn't be a great fit. They'd ha- they would, they would have to come with a very good funding and a willingness to invest in our working with them. Rather than so often, we're we're having a lot of investment that we're doing up front to make sure we can come in and really bring value to the clients. And we just can't pick up more topics All right. um, unless they're well funded and allow us to to do that without taking a lot of risk.
2: Okay, meaning you've got some infrastructure that works in the states right. that might not work in another country or just you you're expecting maybe they would want the service without paying the way mm. clients in the u s do um it
1: could be either but the techniques and our software could certainly work in those scenarios um, so but i like I said we haven't been pursuing them because we felt really stretched with even the number of topics that we're dealing with in, uh, here in the
2: U.S. Sure. Thank you very much. Yeah, I, this
5: is Norman Harrington. Uh, I don't have as much as, of a question, I think, uh, as uh, more of just a comment. Um, I know having worked with one of your clients, NAS, the Northside Achievement Zone, um, in the early days of developing, quote, the collaborative uh, collaboration, a community, collaborative behind that. Um, that a lot of time and energy was, and investment was put into putting in place the infrastructure, uh, as you would, as you, I think you refer to it as the backbone organization uh, that would be able to support a collaborative effort. And I think one of the things that NAS was able to do is to raise the capital. Required to be able to execute on that, as well as to invest in the kind of software uh, and tools uh, that uh, your organization put together and, and, and provided an excellent platform uh, for the ongoing work that they've done. So, yeah, this thought I might mention that that upfront. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and just uh, as a point of clarity, yeah. Really <laughs> so, yeah, and as as a yeah. point of clarification, the the NAS mm. software technology platform was developed by the company that our chief technology officer used to work for right. for twelve years. So it was that we mm-hmm. it wasn't actually our software, and they're technically oh, okay. not our client, but they're gotcha. a client of a person who's a core part of our team now, who's joined us. So we have a relationship there, but not as a as a direct client. So one of the situations around collective impact was in Monterey County, California. At one point, I think they counted over 15 different collective impact efforts going on in their community, nine around uh, health, five around education, four around safety and crime. And it was just everyone was being invited to all of these collective impact meetings and they were all doing things differently and so the united way the county government and the funding collaborative uh uh invited us in they took some of our training and then they brought us in to try to synthesize and merge the all these different collective impact efforts together mm-hmm. and so we've created now an integrated framework that addresses all of these issues uh and they're pretty excited about how now that there's as each group each individual coalition or some of their Different nonprofits begin working on their new strategic plans. They can show how they fit into this uh, more integrated framework that addresses many different issues. That are all, that rather than having everyone working, you know, uh, separately and with all this overlap. So sometimes they had they felt they had collective impact fatigue, and now now they're really excited in how we with the techniques and the the software. Have given them much more of a uh, integrated framework. I'm an
2: endless fountain of questions, so if we have a minute. I got another one. I could <coughs> go right ahead. For, yeah, yeah. So, Bill, uh, I'm you know part of what I like about the uh, business doing good concept, as we use the term uh, for this call, is that um, unlike the nonprofit model. As you um, succeed in your mission, it's uh, self-funding to fund your growth. Um, I wonder if you could speak to how you have, you are because you talked about being spread thin, which is a sign of a successful you know business venture. Um, but how how are you experiencing constraints on growth, um, and you know what are you experiencing as the limits of the model that even though you're a for-profit effort to accomplish this uh, benefit for the community, sounds like you would like to grow faster than you've been able to.
1: Yeah. Well, there's a, a number of things when we're tackling in many, in most cases, complex issues that have never been solved before. We're doing a lot of work up front that nobody's paying us for such as developing mm. the Opioid Coalition Resource Hub and other things, because we don't get grants for that. So we've had to use revenue from, initially it was from our business clients, to fund you know, our research and development, if you will, into tackling these very complex issues. And then with the software side, when you build a software-as-a-service platform, you're building what hopefully is a recurring revenue stream from a bunch of clients, but you don't get paid a huge amount up front. So both of those have put us in a, a strain a situation where you know we've been essentially capital constrained, so we haven't been able to grow as quickly as perhaps would otherwise have been the case because we haven't brought in significant outside investors. Um, the uh, but we are now building that recurring revenue stream, and the, the success stories. When you're pioneering in a new area, there's a lot of people who want to see. Well, where have you done this? Where has it been successful? And right. initially, we were just talking about what we thought was possible. Now we have uh, clients that are we can point to. So it it has. There's a number of <laughs> areas that's you know made it challenging to grow as fast as we kind of hoped we would, but we think we're making a lot of progress and um, have gotten the, the toughest part of the journey behind us. But it's not, in because the issues we're, ta- we're tackling are very complex, people can get overwhelmed. And so we're working on how do we make it easier for people to grasp both the techniques and just the nature of the issues that we're addressing. So we're still learning, but I think we keep getting better at it. Okay, you know, that's uh, very Bill, cool, Bill.
0: Sometimes, yeah, sometimes, Bill. I, I think uh, it's uh, it's hard for, for to to get uh, noticed in this information filled world world that we live in. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm wondering uh, how, how how are you doing your marketing and uh, and really getting folks out, you know, to to be aware of the great resource that you are.
1: Well, we've, I speak at conferences a lot, and if that's getting a lot easier now that we have clients, because they usually don't just mm-hmm. like consultants to come speak, but if we bring our clients or our clients, you know, um, bring us, that opens up more doors at bigger conferences. I've been doing more keynote addresses. We do a lot of webinars. And over the last year, especially, I think I've, I've earned a lot of respect from people who are national you know, thought leaders and top experts who are now starting to refer us in. And it sure helps when people who are highly respected in the field, you know, open doors for us. Um, I authored the chapter of the book that I mentioned on a solving population. Or I may have mentioned it, but the book is called Solving Population Health Problems Through Collaboration. And I wrote the chapter on implementing population health strategies, and that book just came out a year ago, so that's helping to open up doors. And like uh, Santa Cruz County, which is right next to Monterey County, their funding coalition saw what their neighbors were doing in Monterey County, and they reached out to us and said, "We think we need to do this in our county as well." Hmm. So we're starting to get that kind of word of mouth, or people who are seeing the clients and wanting what uh, wanting what they have.
4: Hi, this is Mary Kay again. Scott, uh you and I are filling up the airtime here. Uh so thanks. <laughs> I so much appreciate Scott how you are always on message and go back to business is doing good. Uh I love when that happens. And to that point, <clears throat> Bill, I'm um I just left this morning right before this uh call. I was at uh, an Optimist Club meeting in Roseville in Minnesota. And I just want to uh, piggyback on uh, Glenn's question with a uh, suggestion. Uh, at our Optimist Club, there's a hundred members in Roseville and at least half of those members are city directors and influencers and, and on the local level here in your your home state, and uh, that might be an opportunity for you to present or participate. The lineup of uh, speakers is just um, amazing, the people that they bring in to this group. Uh, Next month, Patty Wetterling is going to be there, Um, so so big influencers in the community. might be an opportunity for you to bring your intelligence to that group and um, possible uh, business awareness that would perpetuate that word of mouth piece.
0: Bill, thank you so much for this call today. I think uh, we've learned a great deal about uh, strategy management uh, and, uh, and insight vision software. I, I, for those of you on the call who have an interest in following up on this, take a look at the insight formation com website um, and uh, i I think you can actually arrange for an opportunity to uh, experience the uh, software is that something that you do with a staff member usually with somebody or how does that work bill
1: yeah it, dep- um, it will either be me or someone else uh, if they want a, a a live demo we certainly can do that um, if you go to the resources section um, in our website there are the 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 webinars and if you scroll down there are a lot of recorded webinars so depending on the areas that you're most interested in um, that might be a chance to um, learn and uh, get some background as well
0: well that's that's a really valuable thing here to say at the end of the call folks follow up and take a look at that resource and bill one more time give folks your email address so if they'd like to follow up with you personally they can get in
1: touch sure Bill, B-I-L-L, dot Barberg, B-A-R-B-E-R-G, at InsightFormation, I-N-S-I-G-H-T-F-O-R-M-A-T-I-O-N, dot com.